All right, saints, if you would, please open your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 20. The Gospel of John chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, simply raise your hand. We'll make sure that you get one. Um, if you don't own a Bible, simply keep this Bible as our gift to you that you can continue to just grow in, in, in your faith and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ as you read through the Word. Where we are, where we are this morning, our text is a little unique. Keep in mind that for the, the longest time, we've been teaching the resurrection for 23 years. And uniquely, God has given us a perspective of the resurrection each and every time we've come to this day. And usually that perspective on the resurrection comes because we're in another portion of the scripture and we're seeing how that brings another layer to the understanding of the resurrection. I was told this morning, and I believe this with all my heart, and it was said this, that God is infinite. And also, when you look at the layers of his word, that too is infinite. So I was thinking that it was going to be kind of an easier text, because I thought we, we went through John 20. We're going to look at John 20, and of course, John 20 is the resurrection. How easy is that going to be? The, the message will simply write itself and I can just spend my time in prayer and rejoicing and celebrating. And then God did something different. God brought me into a text that I was not expecting. And the text that we have for this morning in John 20 is not one that you're going to see in most churches. But it is our text this morning. And it is a text of the resurrection. And I want you to see in John 20, beginning in verse 5 through 7, it says, And he, this is now John. Stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, verse 6, came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself." They see the linen clothes. The linen clothes were just lying there. Now, the context is this. What do the linen clothes look like? What is the perspective that we're seeing? The beautiful thing is this. John, in his gospel, has already spoken of what the custom of the grave and the grave clothes would look like during that time. Remember when we went through John chapter 11 and we looked at the death of Jesus's friend Lazarus. There in John chapter 11 and there in verse 44, John records here what he perceived and what he knows as far as this is the burial standard at the time of Jesus. So when Jesus spoke in John 11 verse 43 Lazarus come forth John makes this declaration and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth Jesus said to him them loose him and let him go 
absolutely amazing to see the context of what begins to happen because as Lazarus comes, he's bound hand and foot with grave clothes. He's wrapped and wrapped. So keep in mind that the wrappings are not just clothes that are laying over a body. We see that ultimately he had this, this his face was wrapped with a cloth. It was separate than the rest of the body, but the body was wrapped hand and foot, almost like you would see a mummy. And so that's what was left there in the grave. So keep in mind that, that where Lazarus had to, in, in this sense, I want you to, to see that Lazarus comes out bound hand and foot. And, and this is what Jesus would have looked like there in the grave in our text in John chapter 20. That when they see those clothes lying, and now keep in mind that Jesus has to say of Lazarus, loose him and let him go. Understand that, that what the, the Lord is trying to teach us, that, that here, when Lazarus rose from the dead, he was not meant to stay in the grave clothes. And this is a beautiful thing. Just as Jesus is making the statement, I'm not meant to stay in grave clothes. This is not who I am. And so as these grave clothes held on to Lazarus as if he was death's prisoner, binding him, Jesus tells others what? Free him and let him go. But you have to understand that this is not true of Jesus. His grave clothes and the clothes and the wrappings that held him as if the grave clothes said, I am the authority over death and I'm binding you. Guess what? Jesus, you have no authority. Death, you have no authority. Keep in mind that the grave throws, the grave clothes did not bind Jesus as a prisoner of death. The grave couldn't hold Jesus as a prisoner of the grave. Keep in mind that the linen clothes were lying there. Now, when John and Peter see it, the way that it's written in the Greek is the perspective is this, that the clothes that were there, the wrappings that were there, are literally in the same position as they would be when Jesus was lying there. But guess what? There's no body. It's as if Jesus just simply evaporated through the grave clothes. And this is a unique perspective to recognize it here. The grave clothes are left in the grave. There's a passage. I want to share it with you so that you can kind of understand a little bit of the perspective that we're going through in this text. And the reason is, is because when you came here to Calvary Chapel on this day, on this day, this Sunday, there's something unique that happens in Calvary Chapel, Milwaukee, this day. And, and of course, on the Sunday we celebrate Christmas, that we have men that have changed their normal garments. <laughs> Keep in mind that you will not, if you come here on any other Sunday, you will not see me in a suit. You will not be greeted by men in suits. You will not probably see a suit other than every once in a while, Tim just decks himself out and he just looks good. And, but you won't see this as a norm. Our garments have changed. And, and there, what happens is this, the reason the garments have changed is what? There's a message to be proclaimed. 
a message to be proclaimed on this day. And this is the message that we say is this, that if you're here for the first time, a lot of people don't understand our, our dress code, and they will come to Easter, and they will wear a suit, and they will look so out of place. So what we want is if anyone comes for the first time and they wear a suit, we want to say, hey, I'm among family here. I'm among brethren here. This is okay. And then they come the next Sunday, and they go like, what happened? What happened to you guys? And I want you to know that there's a passage dealing with the garments, dealing with what we're closed with. And Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in the first four verses, makes an incredibly unique statement. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed. You understand? He says, we earnestly desire to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. In other words, we're going to be clothed with a whole new garment. We're going to be clothed with a whole new habitation. He says, if indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked for we who are in this tent grown being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Do you know what Jesus is declaring here in the grave? He's declaring this. This is not my clothing anymore. This is not who I am anymore. I am not unclothed. We're going to see that he is going to be further clothed. I want you to recognize that, that when the disciples here, when Peter and John come and they look at the Lord's body, they see the linen clothes lying there. Now understand that if friends of Jesus would have come and taken the body, let's just say some other disciples, ones that we don't know of, if they would have come and taken the body, do you think that the friends of Jesus would have unwrapped the body and dishonored the Lord as they carry a uh, Jesus who has no wrappings through wherever they're going. See, the friends of Jesus would not have unwrapped him to dishonor the body. Now, an enemy of Jesus, would he have unwrapped Jesus and then taken the time to wrap the wraps back in the shape of a body, in the form of a body, and then take the, the, the wrapping, the handkerchief that was over his face and fold that up and lay it off to the side. Do you understand? None of those two scenarios work in this situation. And here the disciples see the Lord, the wrappings of the Lord laid out perfectly as if they were still wrapped around the body, but the body wasn't there. Now these linens, keep in mind, would have been anointed with as earlier in the Gospel of John, in chapter 19, we see that here with um, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, in verse 39 of John 19, it says, Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. They are bringing anointing oils and aloes. 
Now, what this will do, if you're familiar with the process, it will begin to harden the garments. The wrappings would become hardened through the aloes and as they dry and the myrrh. And so it would take on the form of a body and it would harden. But now all of a sudden, here the, the wrappings are there. They're sticky. They're stuck together. They haven't moved, but there's no body. And I think it's an amazing thing that, that this is one of the greatest truths of the resurrection, the changing of garments. And God gave to me this unique perspective of just the garments lying there, that Jesus would have a change of garments. Now, initially, Jesus Christ, we know is what? He was God in heaven not considering a robber to be equal with God. And this beautiful passage, don't turn there, but just let me read it to you. Found in Psalm 93, verse 1, it says, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He is girded himself with strength. When Jesus was there as God in heaven, he is clothed with majesty. This was his garment. And then something unique begins to happen. As he's clothed with majesty, he lays aside that garment and he clothes himself with humanity. And then as he's there in humanity, he clothes himself again as a servant. And as a servant, he then clothes himself as he goes to the cross, he clothes himself, as we see here, in the grave clothes. He dies for humanity. And, and I, I find this absolutely amazing because I recognize that as he was initially clothed with majesty, then regirded himself with humanity, then took on the form of this bondservant, clothed himself as a servant, clothed himself in death clothes. Now he leaves the grave clothes in the grave. Do you understand? He doesn't take them with him, which tells me one thing. He's going to be further clothed. He's not just leaving the clothes and just saying, well, now what do I do? He's going to be further clothed. There's a passage that says how he's clothed and how he comes back there in Revelation 19. Let me just read it to you. It makes this statement, and it says in Revelation 19, verse 11 through 16, and I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like the flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp two-edged sword, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. This is how he's clothed now. Do you understand that he leaves the grave clothes because I'm going to be further clothed. I'm leaving the clothes of mortality so I can be girded in life. This is a beautiful thing to understand. 
And as I was looking at him leaving the clothes and the different garments that Jesus has worn throughout his ministry here on earth, I was reminded, I was reminded of one of the sons of Israel, Joseph. Joseph, in an amazing way, was initially, as we see him, clothed with this amazing garment. It was a garment that set him apart over all of his brothers. It was what we call a coat of many colors. It's also known as the coat of long sleeves. It's a coat that does this. It sets him more as a supervisor than a worker. Because keep in mind, when you have long sleeves on your coat, you're not going to get down and work. What happens is this, when you roll up your sleeves, then what? You're getting ready to work. So he has this coat that makes him a supervisor, one who watches over his brothers as they do the work. And so he initially, as we're introduced to Joseph, has what is known as this coat of many colors. And it says, let me just read it to you. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a tunic of many colors. This is what he's clothed with. He's clothed with a garment that sets him above all others. In the same way as Jesus was clothed with majesty. His garment that sets him above all others. He's clothed in the majesty of God. But something unique happens to this garment. His brothers hate him. And then what happens is they remove this garment from him. And they take that garment and they stain it with blood. They give it to their father and says, I think your son is dead. But what does Joseph do? Well, not only did he have that coat, but when that garment was removed, he then takes on a new garment as a slave. He becomes a slave in the house of an Egyptian named Potiphar. Now, as he's there as a servant in that house, amazingly, something happens to that garment as well. Potiphar's wife has, wants to hit on him, and she wants him to lie with him. And so she does something amazing. She grabs hold of his garment, says, lie with it. Do you know what he does? He leaves the garment in her hand and flees. He just, he leaves. Now, as he leaves, he's now left that garment of a servant. And then he takes on what? A garment of a prisoner. The garment of a prisoner. He's there in prison. He's not wearing the garment that was removed from him as a servant. He's now taking the garment of a prisoner in the same way as we recognize these grave clothes there on Jesus. What? They said, you're my prisoner. Death owns you. He says, no, you don't. Now, amazingly, as Joseph took on that garment of a prisoner, something would happen. That there, the Pharaoh would have this dream. And in this dream, he would dream about seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And he didn't quite understand what the dream would mean. But he asked, he asked if someone could come and interpret the dream for him. And lo and behold, eventually, that we see that there is this man who is in prison with Joseph. 
And as Joseph was there, had interpreted the dream, said, listen, don't, don't worry. You're going to be put back into your position. The other is going to die. And amazingly, he tells the Pharaoh, Pharaoh, I, I had a problem here. I, I oopsed. And so it came to pass that he said there was a man who interpreted the dreams. And so we see here that when the Pharaoh calls for Joseph, it makes a statement in Genesis 41, verse 14, Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. They changed and, they, no, he shaved and changed his clothes and came to Pharaoh. Do you understand? He's no longer in the garments of the prisoner. When he comes before Pharaoh, his garment is no longer that of a prisoner, no longer that of a slave. It's now one to stand before Pharaoh. But that's not the end of the passage because eventually when Joseph tells Pharaoh, and he says, I want to tell you the interpretation of the dream, and here's what you need to do so your people don't starve. The Pharaoh says, who else am I going to find with such wisdom as you? I'm going to do something else. And so in Genesis 41, 42, Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand, put on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Joseph's clothes went to now be what? Second in all command of authority on earth. This is incredible to see here these changes of garments. And I want you to recommend that changes of garments in the scripture is not a one-off here with Joseph. Initially, when God began to teach us that there is a thing in Scripture foundationally as the changes of garments, and it's made manifest in its conclusion here in the grave. The grave clothes were just lying there. He's not going to be clothed in that. He's going to be further clothed in life. Now, initially in Scripture, we see that there was, as God created Adam, through Adam created Eve, that they would sin. And what did they do? They made themselves garments in which to clothe themselves. Fig leaves. Fig leaves. They said, we are going to make our own garments and cover ourselves. Now, I was blessed that when we lived there in Southern California and I was in staff, on staff at Calvary Chapel Vista, we had in our backyard two little fig trees. Now, I want to share with you that these fig trees are, are kind of a difficult thing because when the leaves get thick, all the leaves on the fig tree have little tiny barbs on them. They are the itchiest. They, they get caught on your hairs and caught on your skin, and they are scratchy, and they are itchy. And it dawned on me, here Adam and Eve are like, hey, let's cover ourselves. Bad idea. And God's looking, they're like, ooh, ooh, this isn't good. And so what does he do? Well, there, what God does is this. He removes that clothes and he gives to them, amazingly, he gives them garments of tunics of animal skins. He said, these are going to be softer. But understand, in order to do that, there's going to be a sacrifice. 
There has to be blood to cover your sin. And that was the beginning of the process. So understand that this whole understanding of, of garments is, is taught throughout Scripture. Joseph takes it and he makes just this, this incredible understanding of you see Joseph in his garments and you understand Jesus in his garments and, and how that passage works. But I want to share with you a unique perspective on a garment. And this perspective is actually found in Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew 22, what happens is this. Jesus is giving a parable as far as the kingdom of heaven. As he gives this parable of the kingdom of heaven, what, what happens is this. There's this great understanding where Jesus, in Matthew 22, verse 2, says the kingdom of heaven is like a certain man who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. And again, he sent out servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and they went their ways, and one to his own farm and another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, verse 7 of Matthew 22, he was furious and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, burned up the city. And then he said to the servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and they gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. You understand? You come to the wedding, you need to have a change of garments. Here was a man, he was invited, and he says, no, no, I'm not going to put on the garment that you provide for me. The garment that I have is good enough. Isn't it amazing that so often when we come to God, we think that my righteousness is enough. And God says, no, you don't understand. I have for you a robe of righteousness. And this is the very righteousness of God that you can take and you can put on. And, and only that robe allows you to have access to me. And we're like, no, I like my robe. I like my style. And notice what happened to this man. This man comes in, he did not have on a wedding garment, in verse 12, so he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the servant, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into the outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called and few are chosen. Do you understand that it's an important thing that we recognize that here he did not want a change of garments. He wanted to come just as he was, and he was removed. He was removed from the presence of the king. He could no longer enjoy the beauty of this wedding feast. And I think that's why when, when Paul wrote that passage in, in Corinthians where, where he said, for in this we groan earnestly to be 
clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven? Do you earnestly desire the, the, the garments that Jesus provides for you? Not your own. Just only what you give to me is what I have, and this is what I want. It's an amazing thing to come and recognize that, that there needs to be so often in Christianity a change of garments. I want to share with you a passage, and I, I know you, some of you are aware of this. Some of you may not be, but there is a book in the Old Testament. It's called Ruth. And Ruth initially, as so amazingly, she's married to a son of Naomi. Naomi is a Jewish woman. Ruth, she's a foreigner. And she marries into this family. As she marries into the family, what happens is this, is Naomi's husband dies, her two sons die, and then something happens to Ruth that she now is what? She's wearing the garment of a widow. She no longer has a husband. And what she does is this. She chooses to forsake her own people to stay with her mother-in-law. And there's a passage that comes out in the book of Ruth that is so beautiful. Eventually, she begins to serve her mother-in-law. She begins to glean in this field of a man by the name of Boaz who is a near relative, and the scriptures call him a kinsman redeemer. That he's able to, to say, I'm going to bring you into my family. And he has a right as a near kinsman to do so. What happens is this. There comes a time of a harvest. And there in the book of Ruth, in chapter 3, verse 3, Naomi gives her some advice. She says, therefore, wash yourself, anoint yourself, and put on your best garment. This is beautiful. Change your raiment. Change your clothes. Change your garment. Wash yourself. You've been working. You're there in the fields. Anoint yourself. Do everything you can to find yourself. To say, I want to be presentable to you. And then change your garments. Change your garments. And so she does. And she comes and she lays herself there at the feet of Boaz. And then something amazing happens in Ruth 3 verse 9. He wakes up in the middle of the night. Finds himself with someone lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? And so she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. The, the, the better way to phrase this is this. Lift the corner of your garment and put it on your maidservant. See, a, a garment, as we recognize when David was there being pursued by Saul, he cut the corner of the garment. The garment is what? It's a symbol of authority. You would have these tassels on it. And what she's saying is this, would you cover me with the corner of your garment? I know I'm dressed as, as well as I can be, but I'm still not worthy. Would you cover me with your garment? And you know what he does? He covers her. He covers her with his garment. And, and I think it's so amazing to see that, that when it comes to garments and clothing in the scripture, that it's one thing to say, come with the garment that you have, but know this, you want a better one. 
And so you can come to God with your own righteousness. You can come to God with, with your own mortality. But I'll tell you what, you want to say, I don't want this. I want to be not unclothed, but I want to be further clothed. Although I don't want this, I don't want to go around naked. I don't want to have that kind of insecurity in my life. Now, keep in mind that one of the things that comes with the changing of garments is this, that there's a moment in the changing of garments that you are vulnerable. You're taking off one garment, you're putting on another garment. And for a moment, for a moment, you're kind of vulnerable. You have nothing on. And what do you do with that vulnerability? Do you understand that there is this passage in, in 2 Kings chapter 5 where there was a man who eventually would become very vulnerable. There was a man by the name of Naaman. He was a commander of the army of, of Syria. And what happens is this, that he comes and, and what he desires is this. He wants to have a meeting with the prophet Elisha. And he wants to be healed of his leprosy. Now, Elisha himself doesn't go out, but he sends out his servant. And as the servant goes out, he says, I want you to go and dip seven times in the Jordan. But in order to dip seven times in the Jordan, do you know what he has to do? He has to remove his armor as the commander of the army. Otherwise, he's just going to be a rust bucket. <laughs> he's he's got to literally take off one garment and then make himself vulnerable and then go and dip seven times into the Jordan. And amazingly, do you know what this commander did? At first, he was furious. He was angry. And then he said, you know what? Through the counsel of one of his servants, he said, okay, I'll do this. I'll do this. And when he removed that which was his protection, when he removed that which was his status, and he obeyed diligently to be immersed in the Jordan, that he was clean. His skin was like the skin of a baby. I could just imagine how many mothers wanted to come and just smell his cheeks at that point, you know? There's just the, the smell of babies and their cheeks are amazing. And that's what he was. He had the skin of a baby. And so we recognize what? Within this, it's so important to recognize that there's a removing of garments, and when you're putting on another one, there is a time of vulnerability. And it happens. It happens. Now, I don't know if you've ever been one where you're wearing clothes that you like, and then you're ready to go to church, and it happens to be Easter Sunday, and so you think, oh my goodness, I need to wear a suit to church. And as you put on the suit, you realize, I can't wear this suit I can't wear these pants. Uh, th these, this, what I thought was a really good idea, turned out not to be a good idea. This garment that I was going to put on needed to be tested, and it failed. <laughs> and so what happens is you're looking for an alternative. 
And maybe you've done that when you're in a store and you're looking for an outfit and you go into the changing room and you try it on to say, does it hang? Does it look good? Does it make me look fat? Does it make me look chunky? Does it make me look good? Is it a right color, bad color? And so you test out the garments. But in the testing process, guess what happens? You realize that this garment isn't for me. This garment isn't for me. But there's this time where it's an awkward point, a moment where it's awkward, where you're testing this garment and say, is it really what I hope it's going to be? And the reason I bring up the awkwardness and then changing from one garment to another is that Scripture, Scripture brings an incredible truth. There's a passage in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. And I want to read to you from verses 20 to 23. It makes this declaration. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on, wait, verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So you realize that as we as Christians, that God says, now that you're mine, I want you to remove your old garment. This garment of the old man. Let me just help rephrase it. The garment of death. The old man, which is dead, trespass and sin. The old man, which grows deceitful in its lust. The old man, and we put off the former conduct with which grows corrupt the old man only does one thing it allows me to get more and more corrupt it doesn't ever take away my sin it just adds to my sin and what he says is this put off that old garment leave the old garment in the grave with jesus christ so when they go there they just see a bunch of empty garments they see the grave clothes of Jesus and they see the nature of the old man of ours spiritually. Leave the garment in the grave and do what? Put on a new garment. This new garment put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. But understand, there comes a moment when you're taking off the old that you're vulnerable. What do I do? I know this old is comfortable. I know this old works. I know this old is, is, is something that is tried and true. Do you have a moment when you want to relax? You take off all of the clothes that you wear during the day and you put on what? Lounge clothes. I want to put on something that's relaxing. I want to put on something that's comfortable, something that doesn't bind and, and, and you know, hold you in. I just want to relax. And so what we do is this, let it go, and, and it's old, and it's comfortable, and it's tried, and it's true, but to be honest with you, that's sometimes when spiritually you look at the old man, I am so comfortable with this garment. Yeah, it, it, it's old, yeah, it's growing corrupt, yeah, it has stains, yeah, it, it's got some rips, but it is so comfortable, I don't want to get rid of it. There have been times my wife, bless her heart, she's so patient with me, finally says, can you do something with that shirt? <laughs> can you do something? And it's like, okay, okay. I'll use it as a shop rag. 
and I'll, I'll give it one last moment of glory that's there. And, and I think it's important that, that, you know, she so loves me, she doesn't want you to see that aspect of me. Now, I would come here in those clothes. I, that, that's just a part of my messed up psyche that I would do that. But, but then, you know, God in his wisdom said, we're going to live stream this. We got to change. I got to change how I dress. I got to look a little bit different for the cameras. So things have changed through the years. But I want you to recognize that you take off that old and you are renewed in the spirit. And you're putting on this new man. But when you try on the new man, keep in mind that it's awkward at first. And you're looking to say, eh, is it okay? Is it not? Is it good? Should I keep this? Should I let it go? What do I do with this new garment? And eventually know this. You keep it on long enough. And you're like, wow, Lord, you make me look good. I know I don't do this, but, but this garment makes the man. So understand that there are times where when the guys wear this suit, my, my comment to them is not that suit makes you look good, but my suit is you make that suit look good. It's a white lie, but you know how it is. And, and so, so you, you recognize that, that when it comes there, that you put on a different suit and it makes you change. It, it makes you look different. When my granddaughters, when, when they come on over, and, and they have what my, my, my wife has, has, through the years, made col collections of these beautiful, beautiful dress-up things. And they love dress-up. And they put on these princess outfits. And some of them are wild and crazy. Some of them are just tutus. And, and, but they go, and their whole thing is, can we go down and do dress-up? Can we go down and do dress up? And they want to change their garments. And I guarantee you that when they put on these garments, they twirl. And, and their, their dresses, you know, fly up. And, and they, they, they love because they recognize I look beautiful. And they come up and they show Nana, they show me like, oh, my goodness, that dress is beautiful. You are so beautiful. And they beam. They just beam. I want you to understand that when you put on this new man, if you're curious, how do I look? Go to your father in heaven. And if you want, do a twirl. <laughs> do what you have to do. And just say, how do I look? How do I look? And he's going to say, you look beautiful. You look absolutely stunning. And I think it's so important to, to recognize that there comes a time as Christians that, that we need to let the old garment go. Leave the old garment there in the grave with the linen clothes of Jesus Christ. And what happens is this, that you and I will be further clothed. Like we read there in Revelation that we are going to have those white linen. He says this in Revelation 3 verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will. He makes it. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Here they are. Your name is confessed. And I think it's so important that when we come to this area of the resurrection... And, and I, I've been teaching, you know, the resurrection for years and years. And, and for whatever reason, God says, I want you to look at this garment. 
I want, and I was just blessing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you would allow us to have another layer of what this resurrection morning means. How often do we look to this passage and it's just this piece of information that's almost to be discarded. John comes in, he sees the linen clothes lying there. Peter comes in, he sees the linen clothes lying there. That which was a prison to Jesus Christ, thought it had authority over his death. Jesus says, no, you have no authority. You cannot bind me. The grave clothes has no authority. The grave has no authority. I am leaving this behind to show you that it is not a part of who I am anymore. And I'm going to be further clothed. And further clothed he was in life. And further clothed shall we be in life. It's so important to come to that grips of the understanding that as we begin to see what Jesus Christ has done, we who are in this tent grown being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up in life. May you enjoy the life as you leave the old man in the grave, put on the new man, and yeah, there's a testing period, but I'll be honest with you, you keep it on. You keep on this new life that, that God says is going to be new every single day. His mercies are new every day, and you're going to recognize, Lord, you're the one that gave me this life. You're the one that gave me this robe, and I can come into this wedding feast of the marriage supper of the Lamb and be welcomed and be a part of that and now be a part of your forever family. May we be those who celebrate the changing of garments. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we're so grateful for this passage. So grateful. There's a logical truth that you leave the clothes and, and, and no, no friend of yours would have dishonored your body by carrying you out of that grave without having something on. No enemy would have taken the time to remove these things and put it so neatly and perfectly back in place. They would have removed the body in haste. So it's evident, Lord, that friends didn't remove you. It's evident that enemies didn't remove you. And then it became evident that you just left them behind. You simply, in a sense, Lord, just evaporated through them. You just went through them, resurrected. And you left that old behind. Peter and John bore witness, the witness of two, which makes it true. They bore witness that these clothes were left behind. And we now bear witness that that, that garment was left behind in the same way as Joseph's garment of the prison that he was in was left behind. And as he was now clothed in authority, second in all, all of Egypt, so you are clothed, robed in blood, names written on the robe, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is who you are. You have, again, the garment of majesty, Thank you, Lord, for teaching us and showing us that we can come in our best garments. Yes, we can, but we need to be covered again with your garment, with your authority, with your robe. And thank you that you, like Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, our kinsman redeemer, willingly declares, yes, I will cover you. 
and I will make you mine. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for this another layer of the resurrection, another layer of the reality of who we are in you, in your resurrection. So continue to knit our hearts to you in this way we ask in Jesus' name and all the saints of God said,